1: tough blog podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the heel tough blog podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys as always. And we are just a couple of days away from Tony Grimes, commitment, but we are going to be talking about a couple of different things. So that means that Josh Marlowe is back with me as my co-host for this week and, uh, Buddy, well, I'm glad that you were able to drag yourself onto the podcast after I beat you down in terms of the home-and-home home series vote uh, that we took on Twitter the other day. I'm going to take a celebratory victory lap on the podcast today. Uh, I, I'm assuming that uh, you're going to be okay with that. Uh,
0: you rigged it from the beginning. Uh, so Here we go. I'm surprised that you did win and- You wrote the article first, so you took all the good picks and didn't want to duplicate that, but...
1: Oh, sure, sure. I did did drag my ass out of the bed after you beat
0: my ass. Um, And now we're here to talk about the teams that we selected and why we think we should play those teams if ever possible
1: in the, in the coming future. Yeah. So we did a a thing. This was an idea that came to us a couple of weeks ago and we thought it'd be pretty cool. Again, it's just, you know, there's, there's no things suggesting that we're going to end up actually playing these schools, but there had been some talk earlier in the off season when we were really in the the quarantine stage, probably about middle of the first month where people were really just getting that bored, where they started throwing out, you know, who would you like to see Carolina play in a home and home? Um, and I think you know the, the the majority of the answers that came back. Texas was was a very big one. Uh, Tennessee was one that I saw on there a lot. But there were a lot of other ones that were thrown out there. So we decided to go conference by conference and pick the teams. Uh, you know, a team from each conference that we thought uh, we would like to see the Tar Heels play. Of course, we did only Power Five conferences. And even though we played Wake this past year at a conference, we did not do the ACC. We're not doing that. Um, Notre Dame was another one that was brought up by somebody, Um, but remember that the ACC kind of has the tie-in with them where you're supposed to play Notre Dame about every five years with how the thing's set up. Of course, that's not always how it works. It just depends on, you know, I I think it's like a random draw or something, so Carolina could play them a little bit sooner than maybe they expect sometimes, but... You know we we went through each conference. Um, I feel like you know for for both of us uh, both of us, the easiest one was the big twelve. There was no we couldn't agree with each other. So you saying that I took all the uh, the best teams, that's the dumbest argument that I've ever heard, considering that we literally picked Texas in the big twelve. <laughs> But whatever. Um, but I, I think that was the most obvious one. Um, and, you know, for, for obvious reasons, Mac Brown's ties there. Uh, you know, they, they still are kind of a, a, a college football power. If you go there and win, or even if they come to you and you win, it's still seen as a big win. They're a team that, I mean, look, just a couple of years ago, you know, they were right in the New Year's Six Bowl uh, game and and then uh, this past year, right in the hunt in most people's preseason rankings to be right back in the New Year six or potentially even be in the college football playoff. Now that didn't work out quite as well as many people hoped. But it still feels like that's one of those teams where just about everybody if you look at the big 12 um, w- would would kind of select. I think you know another uh, uh, you know our other guy that we have here of course that is on the podcast with us Zach Hubbard he decided uh, to throw up his group a group of his own at ones that uh, neither one of us had picked he picked Baylor as his other option but um, I think that you know the big 12 at least in that conversation and at least from my standpoint was definitely the easiest one to pick and I'm assuming it's the same for you.
0: Yeah, and that's why we both, right off the top of the head, went Texas. And there's many different reasons as you pick Texas. You know, mainly is the relationship that they have with Mack Brown, but also, like you said, even though they haven't been to Texas that we grew up watching, that's still a big-name program. If you go there and win or they come to Carolina and win, it's going to be recognized as a big deal. And, like, the thing I looked at every time that I picked up a party for Carolina to go play the thing I wanted to do was go put us in a unique environment, and although Texas is probably the best environment in the Big Twelve, it's still one of the better you know places to go watch a college football game. And then on the flip side, if you brought that team to, to Chapel Hill, what kind of excitement would that draw? And Texas would bring a lot of a lot of excitement because of their name, their history, and their tradition. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Conk Coward put up a thing up their day about Tier One programs, and he put USC up there, and everyone kind of gave him some flack because I don't believe Texas was listed, but Texas is still a Tier One program in a lot of people's mind because of everything that they have to offer. And for Carolina, and for Matt Brown, if you go there and you win, you know that's that's a lot bigger than beating Wake Forest, and it's going to put you in the mm-hmm. discussion as a legitimate contender to make it into the College Football Playoff, which is the ultimate goal. And that's why this discussion was brought up because non-conference resumes are becoming more and more important in the playoff committee's decision to who they're going to put in. So if you get a win like Texas on your resume, it's harder for them to leave you out at the end of a regular season.
1: Well, Colin Cowherd's list is one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen in my entire life because I mean, he had USC as a Tier 1 program, but somehow Clemson, after all they've done recently, remember they had a period of time during the 80s where they were very successful as well, not listed as a Tier 1 program at this point. So um, I thought that, you know, that that thing coming out this week was, was... horrible for, for him, amazing for me, because guess who my pick of the Pac-12 was? USC. Um, one of those weird ones where Carolina has never lost to USC. They're 2-0. Um, now, They it, it was 1958, and then they beat them again in 1993. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Carolina, I, I think that would be a really good test for them, because... Even if USC has to come to Chapel Hill, they're always a team that you really, especially over the last few years, you just can't really get a read on where they're at as a program because they've had some big time wins. You know, you look at who they've got at quarterback now and Keaton Slovitz, who's really good. Um, they still recruit on an extremely high level. So you would think that they're still going to provide a really good challenge for Carolina. But again, it's it's sort of the theme that I went with with a lot of my teams, which was sort of a changing of the guard type feel. These teams that once were considered power programs, now are kind of on the borderline. And a chance for Carolina, who has always been deemed a sleeping giant and is Right back in the thick of that now, with Mac Brown back on campus. I mean, there they, there was a thing put out the other day by Barton Simmons, uh, along with some of the other 24/7 sports writers. But Barton Simmons said that Carolina is going to be the next team that's going to bring home their first national championship. So in in a lot of people's minds Carolina is right back where they were probably after the 2015 season where people said this team could be that next program on the cusp of becoming a year in year out contender and so I feel like USC would be a really good a really good chance for them to prove that it's another team that no matter what, if you beat them, it's seen as a big win, especially if you go out to the L.A. Coliseum and beat them out there. Um, But you went a different direction. You went with a team that Carolina has never played before, and I thought it was very interesting, but why would you want to see the Oregon Ducks come to Chapel Hill and then travel out to Oregon to play them in Eugene?
0: Yeah, I mean like I wrote about I think the answer would have been USC or UCLA for you know location and tradition that both of those programs have had at one time in the sport Oregon's been the best consistent program in the Pac-12 really since Chip Kelly got there and got that that thing running and they just they're coming off winning the Rose Bowl this past year they've been in the college football playoff they've been in multiple Where Carolina is right now, uh, another writer picked them to be their first school to win their first national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 24 twenty-four seven sports article that you just mentioned. So I feel like for Carolina, it, it's a it's a good measuring stick. It's not the changing of the car like for USC is for you, but for Carolina, how do you stack up with a program that's been a little bit more successful than you've been recently in, over the last decade or so? But they're kind of in the same spot. Um, and then you got to look at you you look at some fun things about it odson stadium is one of the more unique environments especially at night it's not easy to go there and win i still think while their fan base wouldn't travel to, to chapel hill it would still be a buzz around campus if oregon showed up mm-hmm. i'd love to see the uniform combinations that both teams would show what would wear on whether it's in oregon whether it's in carolina mainly the ducks but you know carolina's gotten flashy the past couple of years and you know, Mac Brown's going to continue to do that because it helps with recruiting. So that would be fun. But I feel like that's just another way for Carolina to gauge how far have they come under Mac Brown? They took a big step last year winning those seven games. When you beat a team like Oregon, who just won the Rose Bowl, that, that's going to say lots and another message to the country that that Carolina football is
1: a team to be reckoned with. Well, to be fair, USC is only a few years removed from the last time that they were in the Rose Bowl, although uh, that doesn't seem to be helping Clay Helton's case. But uh, those two conferences really were pretty easy. I felt like those two had one or two maybe at the max three teams that we could really get behind. And so then we moved on to the two conferences that were a little bit tougher. Um I think we'll leave the the Big 10 for last because to me that was the toughest because there's really just no form there, there's not a ton of former history there. There's not really an established um, you know, disagreement between the fan bases like there is with some of the SEC fan bases. Um I know a lot of people, South Carolina was a big one that we saw a lot of. I think for me, that's one that I would like to see become an every other year matchup. Uh, at some point in the near future, um I don't mind the fact that it's in Charlotte, too. I like the neutral site. I feel like, you know, this past year when we were there, you gotta remember that was Mac Brown's first game. This team's coming off a two and nine season. So while the buzz was there, I just don't think that a lot of Carolina fans in their mind thought, okay, this team's gonna come out against a power five opponent. And win this game to begin. So, I, I honestly, I think that's part of the reason why there weren't a ton of Heel fans there. But I think if they held that game in Charlotte in coming years, you would get about a 50 50 split, and I'd be okay with playing that game there. Um, I know, you know, some people, there was one guy that told me we need to go for the gauntlet. He wants to play Alabama and LSU um, instead. I don't think that Carolina is quite ready for either of those teams. That's another thing that I did when I looked at, at the teams that I put on my list is who do I? think that Carolina can compete with and potentially beat. I'm not saying that I'm going in looking okay, well I'm picking teams that Carolina can only beat. But at the same time, I don't want to pick a team like Alabama who if, if they're fully healthy, unlike they were for most of last year, they are about three or four deep at each position. Carolina is just not there yet, and I don't think that that would be smart to try to schedule a home-and-home with a team like that. Same thing with LSU. They're, they're, they've gotten to that point, coming off a national championship. I would not want anything to do with going to Baton Rouge and playing them at night. Um, so I, I feel like those two were kind of left off, and then I don't know about you, and I'd be interested to hear what you have to say on this one. Georgia was one that was thrown out a lot, but I feel like playing them a, a few years ago in Atlanta back in 2016, I think that takes some of the steam out of that because we've seen that recently. Now, granted, it wasn't a home and home, but I feel like we've we've we played them recently, and that feels like one that we've seen it, but uh, we don't. Uh, to me, I wouldn't really be overly thrilled to see it again. I think there's better matchups there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring that up. We just recently played them, and didn't end well for Carolina. And and so that's that's one of the reasons why I left them off. And I agreed with you, Alabama. Hell no, uh, I, I don't feel like Carolina's in a position right now, and they may never ever be to, to go there and try to beat them or rate them that Carolina and try to win just because of how good Nick Saban has that thing going. Even though LSU was losing a lot from that team that won the national championship, still a lot of depth. There's still a lot of talent in Baton Rouge. I love I love the environment, but, you know, don't don't see Carolina being competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'll go ahead and just answer why I, I took Florida. Yeah. I think if, if Larry Fedora would have been here, this would have been, would have been even better because of how much emphasis, emphasis that, that staff put on recruiting in that state, um, you know, would have been a, 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 a big deal. Um, you know, you, you took Tennessee. I didn't want to double up. Again, like we did with Texas, but Florida still provides everything that I want Carolina to have. They're going to give you a a fun, tough environment in the swamp. Mm
1: -hmm. They're
0: going to, when they come to Carolina, they're going to bring excitement. They're going to, you know, give a good crowd, which is something that we need. But also, it's a measuring stick as well. I told you the other day, you called me an idiot. I think Florida's going to win the SEC this year. I told you where I think Dan Mullen has that program already. I think they're going to be a team for the next decade, so it's going to be in the conversation to make the college football playoff and win a national championship. So this is what, and that's what Carolina's striving to get to. They offer what we're trying to get in, in terms of, of a task and a challenge. So... Um, I mean, that's why I went Florida, but I, I, I do think Tennessee was the more obvious answer here, and that's why you took
1: them. Well, I mean, yeah, it just feels obvious, and I'm not going to get into how much of an idiot you are for picking Florida over Alabama to win the SEC. That's a completely different show that we would have to start up, which may or may not happen if we continue this unbelievable quarantine that's driving us nuts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I went Tennessee because, I mean, you look at the rivalry, really, that's, that's there. I mean, I, I didn't realize it until really just recently when they started, you know, Tennessee started recruiting very well once again. Um, and you start to see these fan bases interacting with each other. And the Tar Heel and volunteer fan bases really have some disdain for each other. Now, it's been a long time since they've played each other. Um, one of the reasons that Tar Heel fans really are, you know, kind of angry at, at, at Tennessee is the fact that we were supposed to have a home-and-home home with them. Uh, I think it was back in the early part of this past decade and they ended up canceling Um, that was one that I think would have helped both schools at the time I know Tennessee is in quite where they've hoped to be for a while now I mean the expectations there are really college football playoff national championship contention or not satisfied a little bit different at Carolina but it still feels like there's a lot of tension there Um, and, and in in terms of recruiting, I think it would be huge for both teams because Tennessee has really recruited the state of North Carolina very well in recent years. I think outside of probably Clemson, they're probably the team at a state that I think's recruited this state the best uh, for for a while now, and Carolina is going to have a lot of good in-state battles going on in recent or in coming years with them. Excuse me, um, because I mean we we've seen it. Mack Brown said that he wants to build a fence around the state of North Carolina, and Tennessee will be one of those teams that you're going to have to compete with for a while, especially if they keep building on the hype that. They were able to start this past season. I think Jeremy Pruitt's ultimately the right guy there. Um, and and that's another thing that I, I find interesting with with this is that, you know, we kind of had to take a little bit of a different approach to it. Most of these were thinking in our minds, okay, Mac Brown is going to be the coach, but at the same time, you also wanted to pick teams because it's home at homes and we know how they work, where you schedule them way down the line, in case we have a different head coach. Could be Jay Bateman, could be another younger coach. You want to pick matchups that would still be interesting, you know, going forward. So I feel like Tennessee is another one of those ones that you could do that with. Um, but the SEC was phenomenal. I think there are a lot of really good ones. I think like Mississippi State would be very interesting going to Starksville and playing there, a team that's kind of been right around the same area where Carolina's at for a while. I wouldn't quite classify them as a sleeping giant, but a team that people want to turn on their television and watch just about every Saturday because there's an interesting enough storylines there. Um, I personally love Ole Miss. I love when the Rebels are good because I love Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. The environment there when they're good is very good and it's it's very tough and would provide a nice test. Um, but there's so many great options uh, in the SEC. But yeah, ultimately um, we go with uh, Tennessee and Florida, who I wanted to mention. Carolina has a winning record against. 7-2-1. One of those weird ones. Where uh, Carolina really has dominated that all-time series So uh, that one might actually end up working out well for us Uh, Then we'll go over and we'll wrap it up with the Big Ten Our look uh, at the Big Ten Again, as we said, plenty of great options I mean, you can go into the Big Ten West Just about any team out there is a pretty solid matchup Because basically, let's just just say it They're just about all the same team out in the Big Ten West I mean, Wisconsin's been the most dominant for, for a couple of years Um, But really, I mean, every other team out there, you could put them in any order, just about any other year, and they'd probably finish in a completely different order because they're all just in about the same spot. Nebraska is one that you mentioned. uh, Interesting history. uh, Still a tough place to go. Another one of those ones where, because of their program history, if you win there, it's seen as a big win. Um, And then you know you go over to the Big Ten East, and I think that was kind of where we got. We were going to make our pick from uh, for you you know with that a doubt. Um, I think Ohio State, like with Alabama, a little bit too much to ask because they're they're one of those teams now, and especially with how well they're recruiting on the recruiting trail currently, they're going to be as deep as any team in the country. I just don't think Carolina is ready for that yet. Um, Michigan State was another one that we bounced around uh, between us, but ultimately we decided to go with the other two contenders in the Big Ten East, Um, and I'll let you start out with who you went with first.
0: Yeah, I took Penn State. Um, you mentioned Ohio State's a little too much to have. And, you know, I, when I was going through and eliminating the process, the Big Ten West had a lot of, to offer because there so many good teams. But I feel like the East is where you've got the great teams. And I think Penn State's one of those teams that is a great team. Um, I, I grew up kind of a secondary Penn State fan because my dad loved Joe Paterno and what he stood for before everything came out about the program earlier in 2010-2011. The, in the, in so, you know, kinda that kind of played into it. But when I was going through it, and they met every part of the criteria that I, I I made up to get this to happen. Great environment for Carolina to go to. You wouldn't necessarily get the wideout because that's only for a home Big Ten game. Right. But you're still gonna get a hundred and some thousand fans yelling and screaming and there will not be a lot of Carolina fans. You get a tough environment. they are a program that's been on the verge of making the college ball play up a couple a couple of times. James Franklin has got that That program rolling on the field and off the field recruiting. Um, so it's another, it's another measuring stick. They haven't flown since 1943, so, you know, there's no relevancy there, um, like there was with, like with tennis, uh, not, not Georgia or, or tennis, uh, I'm just speaking now. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. And so it's, it's, it's a great program. It's a proud program. You bring them to Carolina, they're going to bring a fan base. They're going to bring an environment that's going to have our fan base drafted and ready to go. And if you beat them, it's going to vault you to the conversation of a team that's going to be reckoned with for the the long haul of the season, which is what you're looking at for a non-conference slate.
1: yeah, Carolina, uh, you mentioned that they've only had one matchup before. That was in 1943. Carolina got the win there. Um, and I'll go, I, I went with Michigan. I think, you know, you talk about a great environment. Man, going to the big house, playing in front of 100,000 people, that's going to be difficult. Um, and I, I kind of like the matchup from the what we've known about their program for a while now, what we think Carolina's going to become. Carolina looks like this program, no matter where they go going forward, they're going to have the offensive talent because let's just face it, the state of North Carolina in recent years, the best side of the ball that they've produced has been offensive talent. Um, and I think that's where Carolina is going to stay. They're going to be a team that's going to have to put up points to win. Um, and you would be going up against a Michigan team that historically and even to this day, under Don Brown on defense, is one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it would be interesting where the direction of Michigan is because, again, we don't know anything about what's going to happen there. That's one of the weirdest situations in the country with the fact that they win in nine, ten games a year and they are dying to get Jim Harbaugh out of there. But it's still a game that's seen as a big win. Um, I'm not going to say it's quite a changing of the guard because I don't think Michigan is in quite the same spot as a Texas, as a USC, as a Tennessee, where people are always asking, well, are they back? Michigan is, is, is a very consistent team year in and year out. They simply have one problem. They can't beat Ohio State. So they're a very good football team and I think it'd be a great matchup for Carolina. I think it'd be a great test, you know, going forward if it was to happen a couple of years down the road, I think, you know, that'd be a nice test for Drake Bay and Carolina's offense. That's those are the types of games that would get you ready for the NFL and that's one that if you win that game, no matter if you bring them to Chapel Hill or if you go there and win, you're going to be vaulted into contention for the college football playoff immediately. That's a huge win as long as you take care of business on the rest of your schedule that's a massive win. So I feel like, you know, there's there's a lot of interest there. Um, and, you know, I think that this this was a fun little project that we were able to do. Um, we want to, you know, thank anybody that reached out to us uh, and, and, and sort of gave their comments on the situation. Um, of course, uh, we are glad that uh, we got so much interaction on this. I was definitely not expecting as much interaction as we did get. I thought there'd be some people, of course, that would read it, but I was not expecting we'd see all these people coming out and saying, you know, who they were, Want to see um, and, and so many different picks as well, a lot of different picks all over the board. So, uh, we want to thank you guys for participating in that. We'll move on and talk a little bit about everything that's going on really in the general world of college football. And that was one of the main things that we were wanting to do with this edition of the podcast because well we, we can't really ignore what's been going on with all these guys returning to campus and the numbers that we've seen coming out of some of these places places like Kansas State where 14 guys tested positive for coronavirus ended up having to shut down their facilities for two weeks uh, you got Clemson 23 players test positive um, I know a lot of people were pointing to uh, the the march that they had uh, on campus and, and that's something that um, I think you know we can all we, we all look at and say there's there is a chance that that is that could possibly be included, but if we're being honest, you know, look, that's something that honestly is probably, um, you know, worth getting sick over. That's that's a reason why, you know, they, they did that because they stood up for something they believed in, but, you know, we're not trying to get all political on here. Really, the main thing that we're trying to focus on is with all these numbers popping up, is there going to be a chance that this football season is going to get played still? I feel like when people saw those numbers pop up, the immediate reaction was that it's going to be tough to play college football this year. I think really most of us have kind of known that throughout the summer. Um, and then you get the, 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 um response from uh, Anthony Fauci, who has been the guy that's kind of been heading up everything for coronavirus, and again, that's another issue that's kind of been politicized, but really just I, I want to focus on what he said for the NFL, which is that he believes that there needs to be a bubble in place for the NFL, which would be difficult enough with 32 teams. There's no way that they would be able to put these guys in a bubble in college football and be able to play this season. You're talking about having to cram 120 plus teams into, who knows, a certain city, a certain set of cities. I just, there's no way that that's going to happen. So, you know, as we sit here on June 25th, where are you at with, you know, the possibility of this college football season being played? I'm
0: still optimistic because that's the only thing we have right now is just to have hope and optimism. There is going to be a season because we've been without sports since March. But I do think there are going to be repercussions too if there are a season. I think it'll be you maybe only play your conference opponents. I don't. I don't think you'll see the non-conference games get get played. Um, I know that's been brought up, and because that way you're still not maybe losing as much money as you as you're potential to be. I think that's what's going to boil down to this. Can these athletic departments afford to lose the money? And the simple answer is most of them are no. And so that's where the money's going to play a factor. Then you guys will take and you push it back into the spring, but if you put it in the spring, that's just going to mess up, you know, the next season and the next season after that. So they're going to try to do it in the fall. It's, you know, we knew with these players coming back that the, the numbers were going to be out there. And with the more testing, there's going to be more cases developed. I know our president made a comment about the we need to slow down the testing, which doesn't make any sense to me, but, you know, that's what he had to say. And so I think it's just something that, you know, it's going to be year by or, you know, case by case. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at the, I don't think the West Coast schools will play. Schools in California probably won't be allowed to play. So it may be a regionalized college football season with just the schools in the Midwest and the South. And so, I mean, I don't know, but right now, as of June 25th, I'm going to act as if we're going to have a season because everything we're doing right now is still leading us up to the first week of September there's going to be college football.
1: Well, that's what I've been telling people, too, on social media, is that, look, everything that the NCAA is doing right now is showing that they are going to do everything possible to have the season in the fall. There is no way that they are going to just abandon that now and just decide, okay, we're going to go from here and try to find some other time to do it. No, they're going to stick with this time plan as long as they possibly can. And then, if it comes to the fact that they, they just won't be able to play these games, there's just way too much risk, then they'll go ahead and say, look, now we're not going to play it. Um, there were some interesting points brought up. I know a lot of people were talking to me on social media about uh, the fact that guys are getting on campus, so now they're going to be away from really the outside world. That'll allow them to sort of you know, go through quarantine for about 14 days and then be clear of the virus. And you know, once it gets out of the team, it should be fine. I understand what they're saying, but I think that the thing that people are that that people have to realize is that the only way that this season probably happens in the fall, if there is not a vaccine in place, which we don't think there's going to be as of right now, they said that could be coming sometime uh, in the winter, um, probably early next year. Um, I, I think the thing that we've got to realize is you're basically asking these guys. To shut themselves off completely from the outside world going forward. Basically, when you return to campus, that's the last time that you see your family until after this, th- this is over. Um, and the other thing is, is that you're basically telling them they are not going to class. They are going to have to do everything online. Um, with, with without a doubt, that's just how it's going to have to work, which I think for athletes in general, that might be the direction that they're going to go in. And I know a lot of people, uh, in their response to me with that was, well, I think a lot of these guys would buy in and, and be willing to do that. I think uh, the numbers are probably not as high as you would think. I think there are a lot of guys that would say, mm, I don't know about that. Um, the biggest concern for me with that is freshmen though. I think that, you know, you you're gonna have these guys all they're all taking online classes, so there's no in-person interaction with teachers, which is which is tough. I took online classes when I was in high school and in college, and it's not easy. It's 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 difficult uh, to say the least because you don't have a professor in front of you. You've got granted, I mean now they've got Zoom and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, I, I still don't think that's quite the same as being there in person with somebody. And then telling these freshmen, these guys that are going through what is normally uh, you know, probably one of the most difficult points in anybody's life because you're basically independent for the first time in your life. Hey, by the way, you can't see your family. You can't see your friends. You can't walk around campus. You can't do this. You literally have to stay in place and make sure that you're not making contact with anybody because we need to be able to play this football season. I think that's just a really, really tough ask. Um, I I don't know if maybe that's how everybody else feels. Uh, I think that, you know, I haven't been able to talk to any of the players. I'd like to hear what their opinions would be on it. But I feel like it's going to be really tough to sell them on that idea. But at the same time, like you talked about, The athletic departments are going to need this. They cannot afford to miss a football season. I mean, we've seen already certain schools, Cincinnati having to cancel women's soccer. Um, I know that uh, ECU had to cancel a lot of sports. App State has dropped a lot of sports. You're going to see that, especially for the lower-tier schools. Anyone outside of the Power Five, most of their athletic programs, if they do not play this season, will fold. So I think, you know, the, the... The spring football thing, I think in a lot of people's minds, like you said, it's going to mess up the schedule going forward. Um, In all honesty, what they probably have to do is you would probably have to play the guys in, in the spring. Um you know, and then in the fall you'd have to have certain restrictions on how much they're allowed to play or you'd have to have restrictions in the spring on how much they're allowed to play um you know for guys that would end up which ultimately there probably will be some states that will go the route of trying to have a high school football season in the spring if guys choose to stay for that instead of early enrolling they would be automatically redshirted for next year you can't play them at all um so I mean I think there there are definitely some consequences. But at the same time, I mean, I think we can both agree that if football is not played, a lot of these athletic departments are going to be in a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we just saw where Michigan reported today they're going to lose roughly $30 million in revenue. That's a power program that, you know, is already projecting losses, and the football season may even still be NFL or an NBA, MLB player, but we've even seen professional players come out and said it's not worth the risk of me playing. But you're going to ask college kids to do it, and they're not getting—they're not getting paid or anything. So I think that's going to show
1: up, right? And, and don't it, don't know. give me the scholarship crap either. That's the dumbest argument that I've ever heard. You're getting a scholarship to go to school and advance your education. You don't—you're you, not getting paid. There's a huge difference in that. And uh, and people want to say, "Well, you know, I didn't have my education paid for." Well, I mean, what what are we going to do? Are we really going to kind of vilify these kids for being good enough to get their education for free through a school because they're that good on the athletic field? So we're basically going to tell them, "Hey, you know, we're not paying you anything, but you need to get out there or else we're going to kick you off the team." Um, I mean, that's going to turn a lot of, not only players, against the NCAA. I fully think that if that happens, you're going to see coaches turn against them. You're going to see athletic directors turn against them. And I think at that point, that would be the end of the NCAA. I don't know if, if that's what you would what you would see from the situation, but I think there's no way the NCAA could survive that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think at one point or another, the NCAA is going to fold because... There's just a lot of hypocrisy and there's just a lot of bad leadership up there. But if they go that route, that's the end. You might as well just blow up. They blew the Death Star back in Star Wars in the 80s. So uh, there's just so much that's going to go into this decision if they decide to play that, You know, it's it we just we just don't know. That's why I'm still optimistic. We're going mm. to have a season. It's not like when they canceled everything back in March. They didn't. Have, they had no idea when the coronavirus when the coronavirus started. We didn't know how to handle it. We didn't have testing, we didn't have nothing, we just had to cancel everything to go home for three months. Well, we've been home and now we're getting more answers to where there's a there's a pathway to play. It's just what are all gonna be the percussions and protocols to play and are the it is it worth in our in our is people going to listen to stuff like that so we can have sports?
1: Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's all we can really do at this point is just kind of roll with the punches. Uh, you know, we'll find out more information as we get closer. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to... Basically, I mean, what we're doing here on, on the blog and on the podcast, we're preparing as if the season is going to be played in the fall. I've already started writing the position previews um, as if they're going to play. So, um, you know, that's that's how we're going to roll with it. I'm with you. Optimism is, is, is the best medicine at this point because... I just don't think that there's anything else that we can really do. There's no need to get worked up and say, okay, there's a def- there, there's definitely no chance that this is going to happen because well, we frankly just don't know. But at the same time, you got to go in knowing that you know there is a there is a chance that you know maybe there are sports. I think there probably will be some form of sports that will be played on college campuses in in the fall. The question is, is is it going to be football, a sport that's as as full contact as it gets. You got guys that are extremely close to each other. I mean, offensive, defensive linemen breathing in each other's faces in the trenches. So ultimately, I mean, who knows? We could see the switch to spring. We could see baseball played in the fall, something like that. We just have to kind of be prepared for everything. And we'll, of course, keep you updated on everything uh, coronavirus and how it's affecting Carolina going forward. Um, and uh, look out for those position previews. As long as uh, we head into the month of July with them still planning on uh, allowing us to play football in the fall, we're going to have those come out. Uh, and you guys will be able to read those, uh, look at each position uh breakdown and uh, kind of determine where you think that unit's going to be. I think uh, a lot of people were very excited. The other day when Athlon Sports released uh, their position rankings for the ACC, the position group rankings, Carolina was ranked really high in just about every position group. This is setting up to be a really exciting 2020 year, and of course, uh, we'll have you covered with everything on that. Um, before we get out of here, uh, just a couple other things that we wanted to talk about. Um, first of all, uh, we did want to mention that John Swafford is uh, Uh, he's going to step down after 2021. Uh, He announced that today, uh, that uh, this will be his final uh, full year as the ACC commissioner. So, uh, I think that that's something that caught a lot of people's attention. Of course, a former Tar Heel uh, guy uh, that, you know, has had sort of a... uh, a mixed reaction in terms of what people think of his career in the ACC. Uh, some people really love what he's done for the conference, others not so much. So uh, he'll ultimately he'll be stepping down. We'll be having a new ACC uh, commissioner here uh, sometime in the near future. So of course uh, we'll keep an eye out on that uh, in case there is a former Tar Heel that ends up getting that job once again. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to get Josh's opinion really quickly on this because of course we're going to have you covered Either way, no matter if Tony Grimes comes to Carolina or not, we wanted to talk about his commitment just a little bit that is coming up uh, in the middle of next week. It's going to be on Tuesday, June 30th. He, of course, moved his decision up last week. And Carolina is firmly in the driver's seat right now. There's still a slim chance, of course, that a team like Texas A&M or Georgia could potentially sneak in there and steal his commitment. Um, It's it's hard to get overly confident just yet because – know anything can happen in recruiting especially uh, during these times where you just don't know where guys mindsets are at Uh, coaches are all they're allowed to do is really contact guys over the phone and stuff like that so um, you just really don't know until these guys officially commit where they're going to go but Carolina seems like they are the favorite heavy favorite on 24 7 sports I believe now they've uh, actually got 100% of the crystal ball predictions for them and uh, all of a sudden now on rivals after they are originally were very strong on Georgia after he moved his announcement up, Uh, they've all of a sudden now kind of adjusted, and they've said, okay, no, we believe Carolina is where he's going to go as well. But the thing I wanted to ask you before uh, we we head out here, this would be a major recruiting addition for Carolina. This guy is a five-star player, top 10 in uh, the composite rankings in the class. Uh, both rivals and 24-7 sports have him as the number one cornerback in the class. So, you know, how big of a deal do you think this is really just for the program overall if they're able to land the guy that would be their second biggest recruit all time in the modern recruiting era outside of Marvin Austin? Yeah,
0: I mean, you, you said it right there. Five-star player, top ten uh, player in the, in the country number one corner at his position. about whatever matter.
1: be covered with everything the day of for Tony Grimes we're going to be locked in on June 30th Uh, from the moment that we wake up to the moment that we go to sleep we'll be talking Tony Grimes that day of course we'll have the commitment article for you um, make sure that you keep an eye on the website because the minute that he commits we'll have that article ready to go for you so that you guys can go ahead get the read in there learn a little bit about Tony and what he's going to bring to the table if he commits to Carolina if not we'll also have an article written up for that about where Carolina will go from there uh, how they're able to sort of um, sustain the loss of a of, of five star guy that they thought they had in the bag um, but either way, we're going to be prepared and we'll have you covered on HeelToughBlog.com and then we'll turn around. Um, he doesn't have a commitment time just yet, but if possible, we're literally going to have moment after reaction. If he announces at night and Zach can do it, we're going to, we're going to come on right after he announces, give you immediate reaction, uh, really break down him as a player and have that for you guys. Um, and of course, again, if, if he ends up going elsewhere, me and Zach will have immediate reaction to that. But that's going to be a huge day, so make sure that you're keeping an eye on the website. Uh, also keep an eye on all of the social media pages because we'll be talking about them all day that day uh, you can find us on Facebook at Heel Tough Blog uh, that's the Facebook page that we have uh, of course you can also uh, find us on Twitter at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter or you can just uh, look me up I tweet out everything that we uh, put on the website uh, or uh, through the podcast feed so you guys can check all that out at HTB Anthony on Twitter we'll have you covered and uh, locked in until Tony Grimes' big commitment coming up. On Tuesday. So, uh, once again, want to thank uh, Josh for coming on with us uh, today, talking a little bit about uh, that very interesting home and home series that we did. The COVID-19 stuff, of course, we're going to have you covered as we go up uh, to the season. Uh, we have all sorts of great stuff that we're going to be coming out with. We're going to do the same things that we normally do. We'll have uh, guys to keep an eye on for breakout season. So, our breakout players that we'll have. Um, we'll have, uh, of course, all of the in-depth position previews, which I'm really excited about. Even though uh, we may end up having Having to hold off on them if they end up delaying the season, but um, either way, it's still going to be a very exciting year because Carolina is a team that right now uh, most people favor to win the ACC Coastal. So we're going to have you covered uh, leading up to the season, all on heeltoplogcom uh, Of course, uh, once again, we want to encourage you to like um, and subscribe to the podcast feed uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, and so make sure you rate, review, and subscribe so that uh, we can not only uh, see what you have to say, but we also Want to help, uh, uh, you know, move up the rankings a little bit, so that some of the people that haven't quite found the podcast yet can find their way into the Heel Tough Log family uh, and join us here every time that we do a podcast. So, once again, want to thank Josh for hosting with me today. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!